Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Issues with Wrestling. I'm Christopher Miles, and this week, I'm turning the focus on to myself and my fellow referees as we discuss the importance of wrestling's third man. What is the role of a referee? What should they do? What shouldn't they do? What are some of the things people don't think about when they think about referees? And one of the people joining me this week is a very popular referee from the Pacific Northwest. Although he is a Midwest boy at heart, ladies and gentlemen, I introduce referee Bradley. Brad, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. I'm actually just hanging out at work for the, doing the shoot life thing for a second. It never ends, does it? You, you can't you can't live off of the referee income, unfortunately. I, oh, man, it would be amazing if you could. Yes. So the first question I'll ask you before we get to our next guest is what was the appeal of being a referee to you? What was the appeal to being a referee to me? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm going to say it was real easy. Charles Robinson. Okay. Um, growing up. Being a fan of wrestling, um, I always loved the uh, mini Nature Boy. Mm-hmm. So that always stuck out to me in my life. And then um, good old Nick Patrick. The evil Nick Patrick. Yeah, the bad guy. Like, so that, those, that's the reason why I chose to be a ref versus being a wrestler, even though I trained. Well, I was training every day with the school um, yeah. in the beginning. They're just like the wrestlers. So that, that was going to be my next question for you was like, what, what was the difference? Like what was the appeal more of being a ref and being a worker? Was it just the, the schedule? Was it the physicality or was it just like, I like this better? Um, honestly, I just thought what the rest, the, the role of the ref was appealing to me. Okay. I, I, like I said, yeah, I just really always thought about it. Like have a wrestling match or any kind of, MMA fight without a referee. Yeah, I like that spot, and then I've just adapted with it and kind of ran with it. And to our benefit, we can work five, six matches over the course of a night when not a lot of those guys can. Yep, I did. Uh, I was on a show last night in Indiana. I'm yeah. back Oregon. It, it does happen. It does happen. All right, so I'm gonna go and bring in our next guest here another guy from your neck of the woods uh ladies and gentlemen i bring to you a young man jason amos jason how you doing buddy how are you guys and yeah you and brad and jason know each other they've worked together before so this is a nice little reunion for them so jason i'll ask you the same question that i just asked brad what was the appeal of being a referee to you i was asked to do it after I'd been in the business for a bit, mm-hmm. I'd done several other roles. They asked me to do it. Um, I have a mentor that sort of taught me the role that at that time he was with Dragon Gate USA. He'd done Ring of Honor. He's currently with WWE, so he taught me as oh. much as he could. And I did well enough. They kept asking me and asking me. And so a lot of places just started using me as a referee. I still do a little bit of everything, but a lot of it is referee work. Were you a worker at one point? Did you think about being a worker? Oh, yeah. I've done pretty much everything. Okay. One time or another. You name it. I've probably done it. 
And the the last member of our panel making his return to the show, my friend, ladies and gentlemen, HD Daniels. HD, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. How are, no how are you and how are everybody else? We're doing great, but I'm going to ask you the same question I asked them. What was the appeal of being a referee to you? Um, I got into this business a little later than normal, I guess, than usual. I was in my mid-30s when I got into this. Yeah, so was I, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I just reached a time in my life where I was a wrestling fan for 20-something years, and I was just like, let's try to do this like look let's just be a part of it what can i do and i always thought that being a referee would be a good time um it would be fun and i didn't i had have a wife and kids and i just didn't want to kill myself from making a wrestling move (laughs) yeah no i've been taking some wrestling moves lately yes um yeah i just the, the appeal of a referee always just sounded fun to me so oh the reason i do it is to just be fun so the next thing I want to talk about is the training that we that we had to do. And I'll start first with how I experienced it. You know, I went to a, a, a wrestling school, like most of us probably. And uh, the training was pretty much the same training that workers did, only we stopped at a certain point. I mean, so AC and I went to the same school. So, I mean, it was pretty physical, but at the same time, we weren't nearly as physical as the actual workers were. So, Brad, I'll ask you first, what was your training like? What did you go through in training? Oh, so I trained and still do train at Oregon Pro Wrestling School. Mm-hmm. And, like a worker, bump, mm-hmm. um, roll. I had to run hip toss. Um, okay. I I did all of the kind of just like everybody else did. You know, we'll do a thousand pushups for thousand pushups. So, did that? Do you think that benefits you as as it is trained to be a referee that you worked just like the workers? Um, I think for me and the PNW, it gave me a better respect. I have a I have stronger respect for the workers, and I think they have one for me that graduated working. No, for all. So, Jason, what about you? Same question. How, what was your training like? Was it the same as a worker? Was it different? I was a lot different. Um, I came in more sort of a manager type, and they taught me on the job, basically, and and they would teach me how to wrestle uh, here and there. I would start doing matches. I managed, wrestled, ring announced, and then for the referee stuff, like I said, my mentor taught me what he knew, but we didn't live in the same place. So it was basically he would get on the chat and he would explain everything. He would go over any match I did. He broke it down frame by frame for the first few dozen matches I did explaining every single thing I did right and wrong in the match. It would take him maybe two or three hours to go over a five minute match because he was explaining in detail everything that was right and why, everything that was wrong and why, and things I needed to do, things I didn't need to do. So it was a different type of referee situation for me, but uh, one that probably helped me out in the long run more than a lot of people get. So, HD, like, I I know what your experience is like, HD. I said we turned to the same school, but was the training experience what you expected it to be, HD? I didn't really know what to expect it to be, but 
I guess where we went, they had us do bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, they had us warm up the same way the wrestlers did. To a certain and, point. To a certain point. And then, like you said, we just kind of, when they started doing tackles and headlocks and stuff, we just kind of stopped and waited for our time to be refs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I expected that. I didn't know. I really didn't know if it was going to be, hey, this is what a ref does. Or if it was going to be, you're going to learn to be a wrestler first. Just they didn't exactly do that, but they kind of did that at first. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Brad, was your training what you expected? Um, I've been in there, sit there, but watch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Brad, we're not really hearing you very well, so I mean, we'll try and uh, adjust that. So, uh, we'll go to you, Jason. What was the training? What you expected it to be? No, um, like I said, I have a very different <laughs> yeah, different route than we did, and so uh, my path was a lot different. But I went into it not really expecting anything because I was just sort of brought into things and then transitioned mm-hmm. to roles as they became needed mm-hmm. and saw maybe I could do it, and so. I didn't necessarily have an expectation because I wasn't expecting to do these things necessarily. Okay. And out of necessity, I was taught this and then that and then this. And it was an evolution more than anything. Yeah. All right. So, Brad, let's try you again, see if we got that audio fixed. Was it what you expected it to be? Not at all. Okay. So, uh, what was different about it? I thought it was going to be a lot of book work. Uh, okay. More than physical work because when I called to school and signed up, it was, I wanted to be a referee. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do I mean, do you think you were adequately prepared for your first match once you started or were you kind of thrown out there? Um, I, I think I was, I was prepared. Uh-huh. I didn't get to do my first match until like almost three months into training. Okay. So let's hear about it. What was your first match and what was, what do you remember about it? My first match was a skull on a pole match. And that's the unique. Gimmick fell off the pole. Oh boy. Did I rang the bell because mm. I thought it was over? He had the gimmick in his hand. I was not the referee for a match, but I remember a, a contract ladder match where the contract fell and they just like they scurried up and put it back up. So that was that. So, uh, Jason, what about your first match? What was yours like and who was in it? First match as a referee was a tag team cage match. Dash Venture and Ron Von Hess versus Diaful of the Butcher Debashi and Sideshow Ali. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had five minutes notice, I think, before I refereed <laughs> that because they had asked me to referee a different match on that show. Yeah. And then Dash Venture decided to test me. To see if I could do it because he thought I had potential yeah. as a referee, and he put me in his match without saying anything ahead of time. So I had literally five minutes notice I was doing that match. Went in, it went fairly well. It was a fairly easy match. They were all experienced; they could lead me, so it went pretty well. Then I did the second match, and these were cage matches. It was an all cage show, so it wasn't too difficult as far as being able yeah. to enforce anything or anything like that. I just basically let them what, do what they needed to do and stay out of the way. 
So yeah, what we'll, 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 like do you do you look back fondly on that match, or is this like you glad you got it out of the way? I look back fondly on it because if yeah. I didn't have that first step, then I wouldn't have had the second step necessarily. So uh, yeah, I th- yeah. thought it went well enough. Um, I wasn't expecting that particular match, that particular show, but I yeah. did it, and then they thought I did well enough. They kept me in the match I was supposed to do. Yeah. Okay. All right, Dan, you there? No. All right, so Brad, next question goes to you. Uh, so what were some of your biggest mistakes in those early days? What, what, how'd you flub up when you were first starting? Um, <laughs> positioning, probably mm-hmm. the biggest one. Um, honestly, have my first like major screw up until just recently i uh i got confused on a spot and the wrong and the wrong finish ended up but it happens so i mean i'll tell my first match and my first flow because it happened in the same match i i was working a match where it was a wrestler wrestling his former gimmick so it was a mass gimmick and it was one of the guys that trained me that was the unmasked wrestler now and uh, it was him against the guy that was currently working the gimmick. And they had him in a sharpshooter. And the the, guy, the original character lost. And I was supposed to pull him off. But I was like, uh. And he had to, he actually had to fight out of it. So, yeah, I, I remember that match finally. But it was the time I was like, yeah, I made some mess ups. And the second time, my second actual singles match, um, I, was, I wanted to do the sweep, the one, two, and sweep my arm. But I didn't quite catch myself. And I counted three. Now, thankfully, I waved it off real big and loud, like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Nothing bad happened. But, yeah, the crowd was totally against me after that. After I was, I was done. But before we get HD's answer, I want to throw Jared's comment up here that he is a Damn It Dan fan, so that's good for him <laughs> right there. So, so let's hear, Dan, about your first match and some early flub-ups. So I'll never forget, um, you know, you're going through training – your coaches are teaching you how to do the right things, where to be, positioning, and all that. Mm-hmm. I finished my first match, and I guess my main coach approaches me and he goes, dude, you're not hitting the mat hard enough. And I was like, what do you mean I'm not hitting it hard enough? He's like, we can barely hear you hitting the mat. I was like, how long have I been in school? And no one told me I'm not hitting the mat hard enough. So, I mean, to that... be fair, to be fair, our <laughs> training ring is different from our show ring. That is the truth. Yeah. So now right. I, I I think I hit the mat fairly hard. Oh, you enough, attacked but... the mat. You attacked the mat, my friend. <laughs> so, I mean, so Jason, did you have any early flub-ups? Were, uh, uh, any more that you were going to talk about? I'm sure I did. Uh, yeah. My teacher said if a referee gets 30% of a match right, then he's doing extraordinarily well. <laughs> so that's probably accurate from what I've observed over the years. So mm-hmm. I'm there are little things I never realized I was doing wrong that probably were wrong. Mm-hmm. I know one match early on, um, there was an undefeated guy that was supposed to win his match. He was calling spots while they were on the ropes as I was counting. And I thought the guy was experienced enough he would break at four. He did not. So I got to five and had no choice but to 
disqualify it and let a rookie beat the undefeated champion <laughs> was not popular at the time. But it was by DQ. There's no title change. It's fine. He, he did not think it was so fine at the time. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. For he was furious. Yeah, uh, but he learned really quick not to be in the ropes of he's calling a spot. So something that people don't think about a lot is the situations that are unique to referees. Like, for example, it, you know, we relay messages between wrestlers and the announcers all the time. And we're also, we're all basically like ring medics. We're checking on the guys as the match goes on. So, Brad, what are some things that you wish more people knew? Some uniquely referee problems. Referee problem. Um, uniquely referee. Time. Getting, properly getting your times to people. Yeah. Now, how do you do that? Do you wear a stopwatch? Do you count? I mean, uh, the PW does not. We are anti-stopwatch or watch wearing. Up here. Okay. Um, we so all earpieces. We yeah. all wear headsets. Okay. That's a, but if you can't do that, I'm not against the stopwatch. If your company does not have an earpiece, I mean. Well, so the thing is, I bought headsets and I bring mm-hmm. me to every show, so we always have them. That's one thing. That's, I, I worked a show a little while ago, and somebody asked me, hey, do you have a headset? I'm like, um, no. <laughs> you, that's, what, that's a company thing. It's not a me thing, at least in my opinion. Uh, and something else that people don't think about is positioning, because like, these guys got to be positioned towards the camera. And I tend to got to be oh, either both, I'm usually away from the hard cam and also out of the way of the ringside photographer. I got to make sure I'm not in their way, which I've been bitched at before about that a couple times. <laughs> So, uh, Dan, what do you think? Some uniquely referee problems that we haven't said or have said already. Um, Something that I don't know if people think about Mm -hmm. is when the fans want to interact with the show, but they don't know what to say, but they just want to say something, they they scream at the ref. Mm -hmm. Ref, that sucks. Ref, that was three. I mean, I know we've all heard that. Oh, yeah, for sure. First of all, you're uncreative because everybody says that. <laughs> Second of all, it's it's like, well, we're not supposed to interact with you. So I know you're trying to like be part of the show, get attention, whatever you're trying to do. But I can't interact with you. That's not my job. So sometimes it can get bad enough. Maybe their guy didn't win or there are too many two counts, whatever. When you get to the back, you're like, dude, I got the most heat out there than you guys did. <laughs> That's yeah. That... A few times. <clears throat> So, Jason, what do you think? What's something that's unique to our to our our people that people don't think about? Maintaining safety. Uh, the ring can break. Yeah. And the referee's got to figure out where they can go, what they can do, if they have to get out of there right then in order to get everybody safely out of the match. Um, injuries happen. I've had a guy pass out in the middle of a match. We didn't know why. Or Quite a while after that, he bumped heads with his partner, just didn't look like anything. And then a solid minute went by, he was fine, and then just was out. And I had, to, yeah, I had to get him out of there. We had to end the match right away, of course, and yeah. him safely out. Uh, you have to watch out for fans that might be a little too rambunctious. Sometimes yeah. they start to try to get towards the wrestlers. Sometimes you have to warn people about that. 
Yeah, you are the last line of security, that's for sure, because you're the last thing between those wrestlers and that van. I've seen, you know, Nick Patrick take people out in the past. That was always entertaining. Anything else? Uh, no, you're basically the first line of defense. That's what any good referee will tell you. Yeah. Uh, and going back to your whole ring safety thing, you know, I don't know about Brad, but I know that, that HD and I are always, you know, ring crew at shows we go to, setting up and tearing down. And if like if you find a spot in the ring that's unsafe, you know you let like I don't know if you guys pat down. I know I do. That's how I get my last little messages in. It's like, hey, avoid this corner over here. There's a the boards raised or something. So yeah, that ring safety thing is super important when it comes to what we do. Uh, I do that so, well. Yeah. So ring safety, our safety. Referees aren't necessarily workers. Although I mean, in Missouri where we are, we do we do have to be licensed. I don't know about where you guys are. Yeah, Washington. no. Uh, Washington, you do okay. So, bumps and protocol. Do you how do how do you feel comfortable with certain bumps? And is there a line you wouldn't cross as far as a bump of concern? We'll go to HD first. Is there a certain line you wouldn't cross, or how comfortable are you bumping? I think it depends on mm-hmm. the person that's giving you the bump. I suppose. Because, I mean, um, one of your trainers bumped you a couple weeks ago. And it was, correct. You know, yes. Correct. I, I, and his his signature move is the yeah. clothesline. So they told me, hey, you're going to take his clothesline. And I was like, oh, boy, that's going to hurt. <laughs> so I, I talked to him beforehand. I was like, dude, I trust you. Just how do you want me to take it? Do you want me to do flat back? Do you want me to be natural? What do you want me to do? And we talked about it. Uh-huh. And... I didn't think about it too much. I knew it was coming, and I took it, and I fell, and I did the dead referee thing, and um, I trusted that guy. I trusted okay. him. I trusted him. Uh, other situations that I have yet to find myself in, but I don't know what the line would be. I think it would all depend on the situation. You know, if they're gonna, we're gonna power bomb you. It's like, okay, you want to power bomb me, but what are the what are the circumstances? Yeah. What am I landing on? How am I doing it? I think it would all depend. I don't know if there is a line yet. Okay. I've discovered. All right. Brad, same question. Do you feel comfortable bumping and where is the line? Being the uh, PNW deathmatch ref, um, there's no <laughs> line for me. Um, pretty much will take anything. Um, as long as it tells the story. If it's, It has to be a story. Right. You just can't choke slam me because you just want to choke slam the ref. But if it's built up and built up and built up, all right. For instance, there's a wrestler, Funny Bone. It's the Demi got a death. He likes to murder the referee, and but it's part of the story. So, like, I'll take his chair shots. It's fine. I'll take it. Okay. Jason, what do you think? I'll take pretty much anything from anybody. I know going into shows 75% of the time, I've there's a rough bump in a given match, they're going to come to me because they know I'll take it and make it look as best I can. I've never had an issue with taking bumps or anything like that. Okay. And well, if somebody wanted to put you through a table or do a chair shot, would you be willing to do that with with the right person? Yeah. I mean, I've taken countless chair shots as different roles, so that's not going to bother me. Okay. Um, that's right. Is a wrestler, so not anything that's not uncommon for me. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's I think it's kind of like what HD said. I, I trust if I trust the person, 
But I think the one thing none of us said that is important to me is, is there another ref bump on the card? You know, yeah. I don't want to have too many of them on the card. I want to have like three, four, like one is fine. But um, I'll tell you a quick story. I went to a show that had Earl Hebner on the poster. He was like the big person they brought in to be the, the, the star for this indie show. And the tagline of the show was that Earl Hebner does a run in on a ref bump because we can't afford to pay him for the whole show, which is a great title for a show. <laughs> But the funny thing was they teased like eight different ref bumps in this show. And then finally Earl came out and counted the three. And I'm like, okay, that is ref bump theater done properly. That's hilarious. I, yeah, it was, it was really good. So, Jason, I'll come to you first with this question. Since you've gotten in, has anything ab about the business changed for you? Has your opinion changed at all? I don't know if my opinion has changed. I know the business is different than what it used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot more promotions in uh, Brad Nye's area in the Northwest. There's a lot more cooperation than there used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, way before Brad got into this, uh, before I even really got into it in the Northwest, there were two promotions in the state of Washington, and you worked for one or the other, you couldn't cross over. Oh. There's a lot of politics involved now. There's maybe three or four shows in a given week sometimes in the Northwest, and guys are free to work, all of them if they choose. So okay. it's a lot different as far as that goes, at least in our neck of the woods. So do you see anything differently as, as yourself, or is there a certain thing that you used to like that you don't or didn't that do now, or...? Nothing that stands out okay. terribly as far as like my own personal opinions or beliefs, but I know <laughs> it's a lot easier when promoters are cooperating and trying to That's work good. together and sharing talent than if you get the old if you work down the street you can't work here, brother type of thing. Yeah, right? those those uh you know, indie contracts that we all love so much. So I mean I'll I'll go I'll go next with this one because it's so petty and inconsequential. The thing that changed for me. Before I got into the business, I, I loved Battle Royals. I love them. So I, I still, as a fan, still as a fan, love them. I know working them, <laughs> working them sucks. Yeah. Working Battle Royals sucks, in my opinion. It's just, it's not, it's not a lot of fun. You're crouched down on your knee. You're trying to avoid arms, legs, and the camera and the fans. So it's yeah. Uh, I, 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 I still work them because it's part of my job. But yeah, Battle Royals. Not my thing anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, I will say this: as a wrestler, I was in a battle royal on a charity mm -hmm. show and almost died. Okay, so, tell that story, please. Go ahead. Um, so we're in a battle royal. It was for a charity associated with the fire department. Yeah, and they had some legitimate firemen in the match, and we'd worked with them a couple of times already, and everything went fine. We came up with a finish that incorporated like things firemen would do so I could go out safely. Mm -hmm. It just had to be like a fireman's blanket, let me go out on my own, basically. We went over it tons of times before the show, no problem. Heat of the moment, the one guy got superstaritis, thought he knew what he was doing and was fine doing whatever. Uh -huh. Caught my foot in the rope so I had no control over the bump. Once I didn't go out, they threw me thinking they needed to help me out. 
So I went face first into the cement, literally dented the floor with my face. Oh my God. When they told me I damaged the floor, but when I went back and saw the dent, I realized, nope. But um, it it scared Tracy Smothers. He was traumatized the rest of his life. He was there that night, but I survived. I was back the next week. Well, there you go. So, uh, Brad, what about you? Has anything changed for you that you see things differently? Being that I grew up a fan going to local shows, you know, for 20 plus years before I got into business, I'm 34. Mm-hmm. I got into business at 32. Um, everything's different. Nothing is what it, I assumed it was. Okay. So is, is there anything in particular where you're like, man, I used to like that, but as, as and from the inside, it's not that great? Just the politics. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can totally see that. Uh, HD, what do you got? Um, I think the main, one of the reasons I love being a referee is because I'm still a mark. And I have the best seat out of the entire show yes. right there in the middle of the ring. And so as a mark, I still watch WWE, AEW, Impact. I watch it all as much as I can. And I'm still extremely critical of what I see on my TV. I'm still that fan that wants perfection yes, out, of he te- is. out of the television. <laughs> However, one thing that has changed for me is I can understand the struggle of the wrestler that I'm seeing on the TV, what it took for him to get from training to being on TV. I see it firsthand now. Okay. So there's more of a respect level of, well, I may not like that guy, but I know what it took for him to get to where he is. So it, it just adds. I so, guess, uh, you know, yeah, go ahead. I'll ask a follow-up question to that is from that perspective, being what mm-hmm. you do now, did you before and do you now watch the referees? Oh, I watch referees a lot more now. But um, did you before when you were just a fan or no? Not as much, but I did. I, okay. I, I watched, ref, you know, the um, it'd be like, oh, I don't know if I like the way that referee does his counts. Like, I, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely watch them now to study them. Be like, okay. okay, that guy made it. That guy made it to TV. What does he do that I don't do? And maybe I can adopt some of his mannerisms. Not rip off, but adopt some of his trademarks. And you know, so, Jason, not, same not, question. You know yeah. what I mean? Jason, same question. Did you watch the referees before you were in, or, or do you watch them now? Both. Uh, I used to watch. Like even when I very first started, uh, the thing that drew me into professional wrestling was the angle with. Tommy Gilbert, who was the senior referee for the UWF, and his son Eddie was the main heel. And they had the storyline where Tommy didn't know if he could continue on because of what his son was doing, and Tommy was supposed to be the authority figure. That kind of drew me in, so I always sort of watched what the referees did. Uh, Bronco Lubich always drove me crazy because he took a bump every single match and would be down forever, and I always watch for when they were going to run into him because I knew it was coming. Yeah, Bronco Lubitsch, the, the man that counted with his foot towards the end of his career. Wonderful stuff. Yeah. But, so, um, yeah. Brad, same question. Do you watch the refs now? Did you watch them then? And how? what do you critique in a referee when you watch? Um, I study referees pretty regularly. Um, I try to watch like I mostly... So I watch AEW to be a mark. I love AEW. I love wrestling still. So I watch it to be a fan. 
Um, I study NXT refs, and that's what I focus my study on is NXT and NWA refs. Because it's what the, it's the future, what they're looking for, or what? But with, with NXT, I do. I believe it is because the, they're they're involving those refs in a in a way. Mm-hmm. So like I'm trying to adapt things that will benefit me, even though like I know that. I'm not gonna get to like there's certain levels being that I'm six foot tall with tattoos. Yeah. I mean I'm six four two sixty. I, I'm a little bigger than a lot of the re- the wrestlers. So I mean I get what you're saying. So next I have a question over a previous topic we talked about. Demarius wants to know, do you get get or request extra money for a rough bump? Uh I've requested a couple times and it's been told yes and no. So uh Brad, what about you? Will you ask for more more money if it's a dangerous bump or a bump in general? Um, no, but like I took a bunch of a hardcore match, and mm-hmm. they were stapling money to everybody, and that was yours. And because they stapled some money to me, they they cut me in on the pile. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like. It. Was it was this a GCW? Or was this up in the Northwest? This was up in the Northwest. Nice. Um, actually, it was at Relentless Pro Wrestling, Relentless Wrestling up in Spokane. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was really it. No, but normally, I, um, I just your pay is your pay. I just get my pay, and I'm happy. Yeah. To pay. So, uh, Jason, have you ever requested more money for a dangerous bump or a match when you were working? I go up to promoters and tell them I'm going to need hazard pay if it's a death match type of situation. Uh, kind of like Brad, if they do the staple the bill gimmick, usually the promoter will hand me the stuff that got stapled. To, Okay. Whoever, but uh, I'd say I have a fifty percent success rate with that. So I, I will tell a little inside baseball. Dan and I are in a chat, and he took a bump in a cage match. And Dan, what did I ask you when you first told me about that bump in that cage match? You said, "Are they going?" You asked me if they're going to pay me more. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Dan, I think you're in the same boat. Probably, it's just like if you agree to the thing, you've already paid for the night, so you're not going to really ask for more, right? Um. Depending on the bump, I've I've spoken with a mentor of mine recently about this exact question. Okay. And considering where I am in my career, it's considered paying your dues. Okay. So if you are super uncomfortable with the spot, don't do it. You have every right to say no. Yeah. You you all you also have every right to ask for more pay, and they have every right to say no. But doing certain things is is just part of paying the paying your due process like it or hate it so uh that's gonna be our my next question about saying no and i'll i'll go first with this one and uh he you know this person brad you know this person too great local wrestler chris exodus okay (laughs) he he loves to work gimmicks with his shoe because he's the shoes are weight he wanted me in in a match to grab his foot and roll him back to get advantage on his opponent. And I told him, no, because that made no sense to me. And he's like, he looked at me, he's like, why would I, as the impartial referee, grab your foot and roll it back? So what we agreed to as a compromise was like, his opponent went to kick him. He threw the kick at me and I caught it. And that's how he got his advantage. That to me made more sense. And we went with that. So Brad, have you said no? And what happened? What caused it? Um, actually, yeah, last, my last show I just did, they had, they're like, 
hey, I want you to be this spot. I'm going to push you to do this. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, this is match one. <laughs> Five other matches here. Let's see what the other people are going to do. And let's go to the main event first and find out what they have planned. That's our money right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason, what about you? Have you said no? And what caused it? Not really to individual spots, but there's been a couple things where they wanted to do like angles off of matches and things like that mm-hmm. that made absolutely no sense to do at all. And I said, no, that doesn't make any sense. And it going to make the company look bad. It's going to make everyone in the match look bad. Okay. But didn't do it there. And of course, one time I did that and the next week, Pro Wrestling Illustrated asked about a match I did. I said, sure, which one? Who's the one? I said, no, I don't want any part of that. And that's what I got in the magazine. Yeah, well, I mean, so do you regret that decision or you th- did you make the right call? Was it, Were they asking for the wrong reasons? I don't honestly know how they even come across the match but yeah i refused to do the in-ring referee i told him i would restart the matches like mm-hmm. near official or whatever they wanted to say it was and let whoever was in the ring do this little angle but uh yeah they somehow found out they saw i was in it and they talked to me in the past about different matches and shows so Somehow they saw that, asked me, and I was like, of all the matches, that's the one. I said, here's what happened. Here's what really happened. And then, of course, they ran with it in the article. Okay. So, Dan, when did you say no, if you have yet? Yeah, so I don't necessarily have a no situation, but I do remember where uh, I was booked for a tag match, a high-profile tag match, um, and... They were going over their their match, and I I was just standing by watching, and I go, wait a minute, who's legal at this point? Like, they were talking about going out of the ring, doing all this crap, and I was like, who's legal? And they go, uh, don't worry about that. I was like, well, no, I, I that's my job. I need to Kind of have that. to. And, and, and the booker was in the match, and the booker comes to me and he goes, listen, I hired you. I booked you. You're not going to worry about that. Like, oh. Okay, I'll just count three when you want me to count three. Um, if the booker wasn't in the match, I may have been inclined to say no. This is not how the match is going to go. But then, if my if I, if my authority would have been overridden, that would have been fine. But, okay. Yeah. So there's a history in wrestling business. If you go back to the introduction of Earl and Dave Hebner, Danny Davis, Shane Sewell, Brad Maddox of reps becoming characters. You can go back to Charles Robinson and to some extent, Nick Patrick. So would you feel comfortable start with, with uh, Jason, would you feel comfortable doing that? Or are you like, I'm a ref. I really don't want to be that ref wrestler combo thing. Or are you comfortable doing that? Cause you do do both. I do whatever is needed on a given show. So I still do every role, just depending on where I'm at, what's needed. So I'm uh, right. something personally that i have to worry about okay i mean so brad would you want to be a character would you want to have would you want to be in a, a storyline featured like that um i kind of already am in some places i kind of am in part of the story okay um, 
It just depends on the promotion. I'm all right okay. with it. All right. So if it led to you having a match, would you be cool with that? As long as it was a death match. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. So, HD, what about you? Would you want to be a character? Would you want to be that Hebner, Nick Patrick type? Or are you like, nah, I'm good? Yeah, I think I'm kind of good, but it would have to be it would have to be the right thing. Make it make sense. Yeah, it would have to make sense. Okay. Um, I knew I knew going into this thing, one of the reasons I wanted to be a referee is because I don't really have that charisma to be a wrestler. Like I know that about myself. So you'd be a shooter. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh. Uh, so here we go. Uh, lockdown photography, great look photographer from Ref the GM, the Teddy Long promotion. I mean, Teddy Long yeah. had to do a lot of stuff in this. He was a manager, a ref. So, hey, who knows what we could do with our uh, futures here, you know? <laughs> I'm already bald, so maybe. Yeah. You can make a tag team match, player. <laughs> I, could, I could. Or go one-on-one with the Undertaker. So, Jason, we'll go with you with this next question. Favorite type of match to either work or ref since you do everything? The referee... Um... Probably just a standard tag match is easiest because you can do a little bit more. You're not confined mm-hmm. with so many bodies in there trying to do too much and make it a little more complicated for everybody. Um, as a wrestler, um, I do a lot of comedy matches a lot of times. So those are always fun. Um, they're usually you know, something that the crowd will react to. Get behind so they can get worked up to the main event. So is there a match that you don't look forward to working where you like kind of roll your eyes and go, uh, one of these? I refuse uh, fans bring the weapons matches. Because you I was can't involved yeah. in one in my career and during the middle of it I said if I survive this I will never do another one of these. I've been asked a small handful of times over the years. I said I will quit on the spot right now if you Want me to do that? So those, match, yeah, th- those matches bug me because all it takes is one person to bring the wrong thing in. We don't know what this, what this, you know, chair has on it. We don't know what this thing. It's it. Those matches, no, that's one thing I will never do. A friend made weapons unless it's unless it's gimmicked, unless they have certain fans that are staged that bring in the weapons. Yeah, that's fine. But uh, like I said before, I also I, I don't like Battle Royals working them anymore. I work them because I'm assigned to them, and they are fun for the fans. As a fan, I still love them. But uh, I got to work my first ladder match not long ago, and that was a lot of fun because to be up there that close, you see a lot of things you don't see in, in the stands in a ladder match, and I had a great time. So, Brad, favorite match type? Which favorite match type? I'm... You're gonna think I'm gonna say death matches, but I'm actually gonna say uh, rules tag matches. See, I love those, and I got to work one yet. But I love the fact that there's no actual tagging a lot of the times. If your opponent dives out, yeah, yeah. So, is there a match? You, is there matches that you don't like? Like, no, I hate these. Even though I will work it, but no thanks. Scrambles, like six, seven, eight man tag, or five on five craziness i don't want it okay hd favorite least favorite least favorite Mm -hmm. and Um, favorite yeah i might be inclined to say battle royals with you there's not a lot to do and your knees hurt (laughs) um 
least favorite. Well, I was going to say my favorite. I've been doing a few Broadways lately. Those are always fun. I've done a few of those. Uh, yeah, I, I did one recently where um, we didn't know if the crowd, how they were going to react to the end of it because mm-hmm. there was a draw. Like, if the crowd gets into it, we're going to give them five minutes. And okay. so the crowd started like, they, they were like, we need, we need more of this. So, you know, I looked around. I said, okay, let's do five more minutes. I was given the go-ahead if the, if the audience was into it and we're going to do it. So we did five more minutes. It was a big reaction, and uh, it was over, you know, within a minute. But it was still really fun, just okay taking the audience on that kind of a roller coaster. So uh, the next thing I want to talk about is a oddly controversial topic, and is the merchandising of referees. <laughs> and on that note, you can get uh, my shirt to that link right there. But there are some people, workers, and other refs in the industry that don't like when refs merchandise. So I know I know that Brad, you have a Pro Sling T store as well. Have you gotten any flack from anyone that's from you merchandising yourself? I sell merch at shows. So do I. But uh, but I also put my merch over. So like in the PNW, you'll have the wrestlers have their merch area. Yeah. And then like the promotion sells their merch. I put my stuff on their table next to the promotions stuff. Okay. So my I'm biggest not, thing is, yeah. yeah and I'm I, not out there at intermission. I just let the promotion sell it for me. I take what spot is left. So it's like if the wrestler's set up, if there's a spot left, I'll be like, I'll be right there. Or I'll share, because there are a couple of the guys working right now that I trained with. I'm like, hey, can I, can I get like this much space for my gimmicks? So it's like, I don't want to take space from anyone, but I have no problem admitting that, you know, I sell merch right there at ProSlingTees.com for miles. <laughs> Uh, Jason, what do you think? The merchandising referees, good thing, bad thing, does it really matter anymore? I don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, I don't always sell merchandise, but sometimes if I have it, I'll sell it. Uh, the thing I always preach is if a fan wants to go up and buy merchandise, they're going to look at everything. So if they see the, the referee, they've been cheering or booing all night has merchandise and they go to get that they're going to see someone else's merchandise maybe they'll pick up an extra piece of merchandise yeah, that's, that's and a good help topic. everybody uh, and, plus uh, when the wrestlers complain having someone not sell merchandise doesn't equal that they're going to buy your merchandise and so that theory that a lot of people stick with isn't really true just because they don't buy this guy's merchandise doesn't mean they're 100% automatically buying yours. So that and he's never made sense to me. Here we have Jeremy Carp. Refs deserve merch. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> so, Dan, what do you think? I mean, I know you've been noodling the idea. You don't have any yet, but what's holding you back? Um, I haven't decided what's holding me back yet. I just mm-hmm. don't know if anybody would even care to buy merch that I would sell. But You know I what? Think... I thought that too, but I sold more <laughs> shirts and way more shirts than I expected. <laughs> Um, I, I think, I, I think oh, just to to bring um, to give substance to this conversation, the devil's advocate mm-hmm. to the, the counterpoint to this conversation is, if refs wanted to have merch, they should have been a wrestler. That's you not, know, the, not the, really a choice the, for all of us. Does, does the security guard have merch? Does Do police the ring have announcer? Merch? Have, does the ring announcer have merch? And some I, shows, yes. I'm not saying I agree or disagree, but these are yeah. the counter arguments. So yeah. Tony Jimmel has merch. Howard right. Finkel had merch. They do. 
Yeah. But did Howard Finkel have merch when he was working, you know, low level indies? So, no. You know. Uh, but I, I get what you're saying, Devil's Advocate. And uh, mm-hmm. I've never actually had anyone give me any guff to my face. They've said some things in other areas. Uh, you know, I got word back to me, and I'm like, well, if it's not that big of a problem if they can't talk to me about it. So that was always my philosophy. And don't be mad that I'm selling. So, like, like, like I said, just because I someone bought my shirt doesn't mean they were going to buy yours. So they might have liked my shirt, could have been a cool design. They could have liked me. It could, could have been a friend of mine. My friends do come to shows and buy my stuff. So it's like, hey, they probably weren't going to buy your. They might, they might see your stuff. They might not. I oh, think here it we might go. Be bad if you're, it might be bad if you're undercutting the prices of the wrestlers, though. That's one thing. Yeah. I'm always, I'm always on par mm. with the workers. I've changed some of my prices because. Like my my stickers, for example, they were they were uh, considerably lower than some of the workers, and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna raise mine up so they won't come buy mine and not buy theirs. That that I could see, but uh, Jeremy, again, it's not 73 anymore. Let refs, announcers, etc. have their merch, which is fine. Everyone's a part of the show. Well, no one's stopping you from having merch. I think it's the perception of. Well, maybe this guy doesn't like that I have it, so therefore oh, see, I could no. I, I could get a bad rep. Yeah, I, I get that, but there have been there's been a couple promotions that have been thought, thought told me that I couldn't sell there. And I was like, fine, I'll yeah. just put my uh, I'll put my QR code right there, and I still sold shirts that night. So it goes back to the promoters thinking mm-hmm. if somebody has a piece of merchandise, then fans automatically will buy it, and if someone else puts one out, then that can sell away. It doesn't take a sell away necessarily. They might just not want that other merchandise so mm-hmm. that's fair that's, that's fair mindset. so speaking of shirts and what we wear so brad i know you've worn it all you've worn the stripes you've worn polos you've worn the old school boxing referee button downs and i know that dan has worn polos and stripes i don't know about jason what you've worn but we'll start with you jason what is your favorite thing to wear as a ref shirt wise uh, I've worn everything too, just like Brad. And, yeah. Um, favorite thing? Classic stripes. Do you like the polo or? I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me necessarily. I always ask the promoter what they want. I carry everything with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the easiest thing is the polo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked in NWA affiliate. They did the official NWA polos, and that was just. Real easy, just slide right on, and that'd be a cool thing to have. Just have that polo, that's that NWA polo. Uh, another good thing about that is if somebody bled, it uh-huh. didn't stain it to the point that you had to go out and get a new one necessarily, like the black and white ones. A lot of times, yeah, those don't come totally clean. So, so Brad, same question: What do you prefer to work in? Um, Pal Pro Wrestling. I wear a baby blue button up with. Black bow tie. Okay, so the um, classic that, wrestling look. That is my my favorite. I love it. I I like the zebra and I break the zebra look, but uh, I I really dig that old school. I I love the classic zebra. I love the black and whites. I I would love to get some different color stripes for different promotions, but as right now, I mean, I've worn polos and I've worn the zebra look. I much prefer the zebra look. It's just a personal preference. Dan. I've actually been thinking the zebra look is getting um, with all the indies and out there. Like, we need to have a change. I okay. Know 
part of the zebras. You know, we call ourselves zebras, but black and white all the time. Give me something new. You know, you know, change the colors, black and red, black and green, something, something new. Okay. It's always black and white. I don't know. And that's Just fair. A silly thought. Yeah. All right. So one of the, I have a couple more questions left, but this one also ties into our apparel. Shorts in the ring. Yes or no? Brad, that's you shaking your head. So big no. Thank you. It's unprofessional in my opinion. I, I'm, I probably go a step above probably everybody. I have my gear tailored. Oh, I do. I do as well. I have slacks that are tailored to me. My, my so. Tailored. My shirts are tailored. Yeah. I have these. Call them like they hook for my socks. They go to my shirt to keep my. Oh, shirt, shirt stays. I keep. I wear them. Adamant. Okay. All black. There you go. So, so Jason, what do you, what do you think? Shorts or yes, no, nope. maybe so. No, absolutely. Thank you. That it's the order agreement here. I did one time. It was like one of the very earliest times I refereed. I was given a pass by my teacher when he watched it because it was like ninety five degrees and <laughs> the referee they had basically was like on the verge of heat stroke, and so I said I'll. Go out and do it. I have a referee shirt, so I went out without any notice and helped out. So that's why I was wearing shorts. But outside of that, um, even when it's brutally hot, I don't wear shorts when even given the option by the promoter. I go out in the slacks. Okay, that's I, I like that. I, I agree with that, Dan. I, I think I know the answer, but let's hear it. Well, I've always admired Slick Johnson, so I think bring shorts. You're gonna paint your head too, or is that what are we well, gonna do here? So, so, so my next comment was gonna be about my head. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working a festival, you and I, this weekend. Yes, we and are. I have no problem if we could wear like you know NFL umpire referee hats. I would have no issue with that on shows like that. We're gonna have to, uh, we're gonna have to slather our heads in that lotion. You and I being bald. Well, here's the only problem I have is I have a <laughs> massive dome. So, like, I, a hat's not going to work for me, unfortunately. I'm going to have to side of my head regardless. <clears throat> All right, so we have another question from Lockdown, and we'll start with Dan. Ever made a match-changing mistake? Not anything that's been too big. Uh-huh. Um, match-changing mistake. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, I, I know one that you did. It didn't change oh, the match, ahead. but uh, it was in uh, PWE. Yeah. And you were you were, you were were giving the guy the count, and you counted to five. Oh. He went to bring the bell, and he stopped you from – he's like, no, no, so, no, no. Yeah. So I was going to bring that up if, if, the, if the conversation called for it, and I can tell yeah. that story. Go ahead. Um, so it was a title match, uh-huh. which was unfortunate for the situation. Yeah. But – I knew the spot was coming. It was the Bret Hart figure four outside turnbuckle spot. Okay. And the the guy, I knew it was coming, and he knew I was going to start counting. And I was getting close, you know, one, two, three. And he starts screaming at me, like, almost out of character, like, count me out, ref, count me out. And I was like, this is, it was only five seconds. But within yeah. that five seconds, it was getting really awkward, like, <laughs> what you really want me to he's like really talking to me really serious like count me out and then i got to five and i was like okay you're counted out and i knew exactly what i was going to do it was a title match the title was changing hands 
but to protect the integrity of me and the match rules, I was going to ring the bell, bring the re- the announcer over, and just say, listen, this was a DQ, and I was going to tell the heel, somebody, I was going to tell somebody to grab the mic and demand, you know, to restart. Mm-hmm. So so we could save the integrity of the whole situation. But Unfortunate, but, yeah. uh, Unfortunately... The ring announcer wasn't even paying attention because the match wasn't supposed to be over. Yes. So I start flailing my hands all over the place. Ring the bell, ring the bell, ring the bell. And uh, the guy that had the, the submission on, he was like, what are you doing? I didn't tell you to. Why are we stopping the match? I was like, dude, you were like seriously crossing the line. I had to stop the match, but nobody rang the damn bell. So we just continued the match like nothing happened. It was really weird. It, it really was awkward. It was still a good match, though. You got it. It was still yeah, a good match. It was. But yeah, the champion changed hands, and the crowd went wild. All right, so we, we, we uh, heard a little bit from Jason. Do you have any more match-changing mistakes or things that went sideways in a match? Uh, there's been a couple times where people just didn't kick out. And, and you counted three, right? Counted three like you're supposed to. I wouldn't count that as a mistake. No, that's uh, their mistake. Yeah. Uh, I had a match one time where the guys were on the floor and I was counting and I got to around seven. One of the guys made eye contact with me, which is a universal sign of I know where your count is. I'm coming back. Yeah. As he started to get back in, he just changed his mind. They brawled away from the ring. I got the 10 double count out and. They got mad at me, of course, and the promoter's oh, yeah. like, yeah, why did you do that, Mike? Because he indicated he was coming back in and then just fell back out, so okay. nobody broke the count. Now you got to do what you got to do. So, Brad? Exactly. I can't count to 11 when the fans are knowledgeable that it's a 10 count yeah. for and in the match. Brad, what do you got, buddy? Um... It was actually just recently, I felt like crap for it, but I cost one of my instructors to have to change his finish because he didn't finish on the guy and still lost. Okay. All right. Well, that uh, – but here, here's here's uh, Chris Rodell, ring announcer. Don't make refs look like shit. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. And on the other hand, there's Jared who says, there's a wrestler that yelled at refs saying, count, motherfucker. I loved it. I enjoy it when workers yell at refs. So that would be my okay. next question. See about that up. When guys get in your face and yell at you, is that something that you expect to be talked about beforehand or is it like a heat of the moment type of thing? Jason. I've had it both ways. Okay. Some guys come up and ask, hey, are you okay if I do this or that? Uh, a lot of times I don't know anything. I boot the match until we're in there doing it. And so I just go with what they give me. And if that's what they give me. That's what we do. Does it bother you if they get in your face without your permit, with like before talking about it? Or is it like, hey, it was, no. it's fine. It's yeah, it's part of the world, right? Yeah. It's, so, as long as we're working, we're working. I mean, I don't take yeah. a personal. So, I apologize to Rodell. Not just a ring announcer. I'm a former ref as well. That is true. <laughs> so, uh, Brad, what about you? If if someone's getting in your face, is it always predetermined? Is it always something you talk about, or is there time for it's like in the heat of the moment? Um, I've never had like a heat of the moment guy get in my face. Um. Uh, I've had one time where that my very first match where the skull fell through that hole. Um, that situation I got yelled at in the locker room by the worker. Yeah. Uh, later apologized when he found out that I was brand new. Um, but no, I pretty much once 
once I show up at show day and I start setting up the ring, ref Brad Lee kicks in. <laughs> I just that way until that truck is loaded. Okay. All right. So, HD, that same question. Do they always tell you beforehand, or is it something that sometimes happens Mo- for the moment? Most of the time, they'll mm-hmm. tell you beforehand. They'll be like, hey, it's part of my thing. Like, when you're counting five, I'll get in your face. It's like, okay, yeah. that's cool. But there have been other situations where it's like, you know, you, you weren't where you're supposed to be, or they'll get mad at you. Um, as long as you can play it off it during the match, um, play it off as professional as possible, and then mm-hmm. make your amends backstage, I think everything should be fine. So this is my last question before we get out of here. Yeah. But so we'll start with UHD. How do you respond to the fans when they're like, when you get distracted and miss, you know, miss something? Because you're supposed to. It's part of the match. Mm-hmm. And the fans give you shit for it. And you're like, how could you miss that? How do you how do you deal with that? How do you come back from that with them? I actually I don't deal with that. I, I'm not required to talk to the fans. So Ooh, big ligger here. No, it's just <laughs> if, if if the match is over. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, one of those stupid ref distraction things. I keep my head down and I walk straight through the curtain because you know you're going to hear it from somebody. So yeah. it's not like I'm ignoring you, but I'm not like ignoring <laughs> you because I'm, I'm big league. It's just like I, I have nothing <laughs> I get what to you're say. Saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason, do you interact in that situation? Depends on the situation. A lot of times I will. It's worse when it's the – on the PA commentary that does it rather than yeah. the fans. Uh, that I will turn and I'll address it to them. I'm like, what did you just say happened? Are you <laughs> sure that happened? And that usually stops it in the future with them. But uh, I had one fan in Portland years ago. She was probably in her 80s. And she'd been going to wrestling since the Don Owen era. Oh, boy. She was... Livid, I'd miss somebody in a tag match, use their baseball bat on the opponent, and she come flying up to me at intermission and she said, You didn't see that guy use a bat? I said, Madam, are you trying to tell me there's a live bat in this building? <laughs> and she, me, she said, You stupid son of a bitch, it was a baseball bat. That's outstanding. That was, that was quick thinking. Yeah. I, so the next week, though, I felt really badly because I did the match just straight. There was nothing like chicanery wise. Yeah. After the match, she was so happy. I finally got a match right for once. She went to run up to me to tell me I finally did a good job. Slipped and fell and busted her head open. Ah. Uh, we knew she fell and got hurt, but we didn't know. So the next week, and she came up to me, she said, don't tell anyone this, but I fell because I was trying to run up to you before you got to the locker room to say, for once in your life, you got a match, right? Awesome. <laughs> All right, so Brad, last question. So same same thing. If, how do you interact with the fans when they get in your face about getting something wrong that you obviously missed? I ignore them. Okay. I do as well. I mean, yeah. you have to. Um, what- <laughs> Warrior show with the Midget Warriors. I am a character. Part of, yeah. that, part of that whole thing is I'm a character, so I interact with them. And while I don't have my glasses on, I'm sorry. Uh, I can only call when I see. I, what do you mean? I was looking over here. I didn't know that I was supposed to look over. Here. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, 
before we get out of here, guys, thanks so much for all you guys for being here. I'm going to give you guys a quick opportunity to pimp out your social medias, where you're going to be coming up. So, Brad, start with you. Where's your socials? Where you're, where are you booked in the next coming weeks? Um, so, I am going to be at DOA next. And then I'm at Pow Pro Wrestling. Then I have Timber Pro Wrestling and Relentless. Like Sign Guy was saying earlier, we have like 15 promotions in the area that I'm talking about all of them. Thriving. You can find all of my socials at Referee Bradley on Facebook, Instagram, right. Twitter. Um, you can get T-shirts and all that at Pro Wrestling Tees, Brain Buster Tees, uh, What a Maneuver. All right. So, uh, Brad, thanks so much for being here. You've been great. And until next time, man, we'll see you. All right. Okay. All right. All right, Jason, what do you got going on and uh, where can we see you on the Internet? Oh, what I have coming up, I just did a show last night in Arlington, Washington for Combat Pro Wrestling, presents theatrical wrestling. Oh. Uh, I have upcoming on, see, on the third Saturday of the month, I have Northwest Pro in Bonn, Washington, and there is not set in stone, but a potential show in Spokane on June the 3rd. And then on the 10th of June, back at Northwest Pro in Vaughn, Washington. And okay. then on the 17th, CPW is in Marysville, Washington for the Strawberry Festival, which is a really, really big festival in the region. And on the 29th of July, I will be in Connersville, Indiana for World's Finest Wrestling's first ever women's title tournament. Oh. And uh there will be some more combat pro shows and Northwest pro shows popping up. Also, I believe in August is the next round of rogue wrestling attraction shows on uh, Ocean Shores, Washington. They've been around a little under a year growing company doing very well. So that's what I have on the books and on the social media at sign guy HPW on the Twitter's. Okay, man. Well, thanks for being here. You've been great, and you've got some great information, man. Until next time. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thank yep. you. No problem. All right, HD, just you and me now. Where are you at? What you got coming up? Well, you and I are both booked for this Saturday, the Cinco de Mayo Festival for Dynamo in St. Louis. It's the intersection of Iowa time. and Cherokee at the Castle Correct. Luma Ballroom. Uh, also, uh, this coming Saturday, the Door to Destiny Royal Rumble at World League Wrestling. Yes. Uh, I'm also a few times a month at OVW in Louisville. There you go. Um, you can find me at Hans Dick Daniels if you're watching the video. My handle's right there. But more importantly, you know you can't get rid of me without a classic HD joke. All right, let's hear it. You ready? Uh, this is this As is I'll ever HD, be. It's an HD original. Let's okay, go. Here we go. You know, in The Wizard of Oz, when Dorothy clicks her heels together, she says, There's no place like home. There's no place like home. And she goes home. When a referee clicks two heels together he says it's time to take it home it's time to take it home uh, all right on and that I, note thanks for being here hd we'll see you next yeah, time all buddy right. see you later all right uh, i apologize for that folks but hey as hd said this saturday i will be at the Cinco de mayo festival for dynamo pro the intersection of iowa and cherokee here in st louis right in front of the historic Casaluma ballroom i will also be that night in alton illinois with pwe pro wrestling epic for a insane match the tiktok sensation jack vaughn will be there wrestling benjamin trust there will be a string death match of death 
as Lenny Mephisto takes on Akira. And then the week after that, I will be at the official, the only Tony Costa Battle Royal for MMWA at the historic South Broadway Athletic Club. And as always, you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at IWW underscore podcast. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at one underscore two underscore three miles. And until next time, folks, I'm Christopher Miles, and I have issues with wrestling.